Welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast. Indeed, it is Quality Hang. I'm Rod Brooks. And as always, I am joined on this podcasting adventure by my homie, my partner in crime, the king of New Orleans, Marcus Oswald. Yeah. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Daddy O? Just having a good time. You know, it's funny. Every time we get on, there seems to be some really fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, man. It's when we take these. And to pull back the curtain, we uh, we like to tape on Thursday afternoons. And it seems like over the past, what, four or five uh, recordings yeah. of the podcast, there's always been some type of breaking news, whether we're, you know, it's another uh, celebrity death or death of a legend or breaking yeah. news like today. President Biden <laughs> is pardoning all marijuana offenses. So if you uh, have been convicted of <laughs> marijuana possession, uh, President yeah. Biden, a month before midterm elections, just throwing it Sick. out there. But President <laughs> Biden has uh, stepped forth to say that uh, he is pardoning uh, uh, all, uh, in essence, low level marijuana possession offenses. And to that, I say it's about damn time, whether it's a politically yes. motivated move or not. And also. Uh, President Biden has secured his invitation to the cookout. You're on the list, my man. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to roll one with you, uh, JB. Um, <laughs> dude, this is, this is so cool. I mean, I think this is obviously his way of sort of trying to keep one of his campaign promises of decriminalizing marijuana. And as you said, Rod, it's a long time coming, man. Long time coming. I, I, this is, we could probably have this conversation about this war on drugs uh, all day long, all night long, because this thing with marijuana. And listen, even as a kid, I was such an anti-weed, blah, 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 dude. Like, oh, I was me that too. Guy. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then I f fucking realized later on, like, what was I thinking? This is this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> what was I thinking? But more, more than anything, and I used to get into arguments with my buddies about this because I was the only one who didn't smoke anything or do anything. And then, uh, obviously, with age comes wisdom, and you realize, oh, this has been one of the greatest propaganda releases in the history of this country. Yep. If you smoke weed, you're going to run out and kill people. It's horrible, morally wrong to smoke weed. And then you think, why? What, well, what's wrong with it? You know, we are of, uh, we're from the dare generation and we are from mm -hmm. the just say no, uh, generation. And they hammered that into our, at the time, uh, very young and malleable brains. They hammered that into us relentlessly. And, and it was a part yep. of, of, of the actual education process in this country. Just say no, right. their thing, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, they were in our schools, <clears throat> pardon me, and they were on us heavy to, to, to stay off of drugs specifically. And I remember we had what was called health class and it was in ninth grade and it was drug week. And what got me... <laughs> As a youngster, on the full anti-marijuana kick was when they said, if you smoke weed as a man, you would develop breasts. And at 15 years old, 
that was some of the most frightening shit I have ever heard in my life. I'm, if it, it, it wasn't like if you smoke weed, you're going to become a criminal. They tried that. That didn't, that didn't, that didn't hit your boy. It wasn't if you smoke weed, that's going to lead to harder drugs. It's a gateway drug. That didn't hit your boy Rod B. But when they told young Roddy B that if you smoke weed, you was going to get a pair of fullies. I'm like, I ain't never touching that shit. Now, of course, that yeah. didn't last. <laughs> you know, once I once I moved to the Bay Area, start making a little bit of change and started hanging out with people who smoke good weed. I'm like, oh, my God, just like you, Marcus. What have I been missing? What they should be teaching us in school is that doing drugs in excess is wrong and that can be harmful. But when you do the right drug with the right people in the right situation, man, it's a whole lot of fun and you don't grow boobs in the process. Yes. Well, you know what it is, Rod. There may be some kernel of truth to the growing boobs part because the growing boobs was probably connected to gaining weight, which was connected to the munchies, which oh, yeah. was connected sure. to smoking yeah, yeah. weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but again, they didn't tell us the good shit. They didn't tell us they the didn't tell us that. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead on. I'm gonna get these A cups if I can smoke this sativa. That's what that was. <laughs> you know, the other part to uh, to President Biden's announcement, and this is the second one where he's he's definitely fulfilling a campaign promise because uh, a few tapings of the show uh, back, uh, that's when he uh, absolved student debt or a certain amount of student debt. Uh, so yep. again, President Biden, you know, definitely trying to get at a certain group of people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I, I do think what is also significant is that he's going to try and get marijuana reclassified, um, you know, as far as how the federal government looks at it. And right now, yep. the marijuana is basically in the same classification as heroin or synthetic and anybody who knows Ridiculous. anything about real life, you know that marijuana is a relatively, if not totally benign drug. Uh, cocaine, heroin, opioids, those type of things are absolutely not. So for marijuana to be considered to be in the same uh, destructive class as cocaine, heroin, opioids is absolutely and completely ridiculous. And the war on drugs and how drug uh, uh, drug cases are are prosecuted, those things, it's 100% totally, it's it's all racist. It's totally yeah. racist. Yeah. And, the, the people and, who have and, been in charge of this have known that you could incarcerate more people of color if you make marijuana specifically a uh, uh, make it out to be the demon drug and you prosecute and yeah. sentence accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it always bugged me the the not only that part of it, but there's just the entire hypocrisy of this moralizing and not just with weed. It's with, almost with like everything like you don't have premarital sex yet. All these politicians are going around banging as many women as they possibly could. Some of these guys are sneaking around in bathrooms and hooking up with people or don't, don't remember prohibition. Don't drink alcohol, but all of these guys are going to speakeasies getting fucked up. Don't do drugs. I'm pretty sure that half the people in Congress Smoking. I'm pretty sure of that. It just, it, it bugs me, dude. It yeah. bugs me so yeah. much. Do as I say, not as I do. That's the worst. Yeah, yeah. Or abortions. Don't get abortions unless I got to pay for one because I've been yeah. fucking around on my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's completely and, uh, and totally ridiculous. So, 
you know, who knows how much this changes in this country, whether the, it, it moves the needle. But I'm, uh, you know, whether, again, this is a politically motivated or politically timed uh, move, I don't care. I only care about the right thing being done. And while it's many, many years Preach. too late, uh, I'm, I'm glad that this is um, uh, the right thing is either being done or starting to be done at this point. Preach. And, and Preach. You know, it's, Preach. It's, it's funny. It's got me thinking now, you know, of, of my kind of young adulthood awakening when I could I could see the bullshit that I've been taught about drugs. I'll never forget. I was I was dating this girl one time. And this was uh, I was in college, so this is late eighties, early nineties, and crack was still a thing. And her dad, uh, who was a real, real militant cat, real militant mm. cat. I don't know how the subject of the drug war and crack and cocaine came up, but he said to me a couple of things, and it really started my brain thinking, like, wow, what I was taught and what I was told was bullshit. He said two things. He said. Do you notice how they treat people who possess cocaine, powder cocaine, and that was normally people, white people, you see how they treat them yeah. differently in the justice system than they treat crack dealers and crack users. And those people were overwhelmingly black. When he said that to me, I was like, oh, damn, this old man is yep. he's spitting something. And when he also yep. said, you only see black crack dealers, but nobody in this country no, but America does not make cocaine. That comes from Central and South America. He goes, but how does it get here? How does it all of a sudden get into black neighborhoods, the south side of Chicago, Harlem, south side of Houston, Oak Cliff and yeah. Dallas, south, you know, south central L.A.? How does that get here? How does that get into the pockets of young black men who are selling crack on the corner? And he said something to me and it just it hit me yeah. like a shot. It's like black people ain't got no airplanes. Ain't nobody black yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flying flying Facts. low from Peru to South Central LA. It's like shit. Yep. <laughs> like, well, don't you remember that? Right. <laughs> you remember that story? Uh, I mean, and by the way, what you're saying—that's not a conspiracy theory. That's it's legitimately real. Yeah. The guy who wrote for the San Jose Mercury who exposed that entire thing that the FBI and the CIA were in yep. on bringing crack and guns. And yep. bring them into these inner cities. They yep. were a part of that. And the dude is dead. Yep. Many people think he was killed for it. And I, yep. for one, this is one of those conspiracy theories where I feel like maybe, just maybe somebody took him out the game for telling a little bit too much. Yeah, no, it, it, that is absolute real spill right there. And uh, no, that's not conspiracy. That is, that's the American way. That's what that is. Anytime you get a little bit too dangerous or anytime you get a little bit too close to the truth or anytime you are a unifying uh, presence and you start to talk about peace and love and everybody not hating each other and moving as one against the real enemies of this country, those people end up dead. Not an accident, my man. <laughs> you not ain't an lying. accident. <laughs> you, want, you want to talk about our greatest assholes? Sure. Why not? And that gets us into the world of sports. Now, how, why are we talking about assholes in sports? Well, uh, funny story. Draymond Green, uh, four-time NBA champion, uh, former defensive player of the year, and, and a guy that is a, an, an indispensable part of the Golden State Warriors continuing uh, basketball dominance. Uh, Draymond Green 
uh, got into a physical altercation with young upstart scoring guard Jordan Poole. This uh, just happened yesterday as we taped it, and the regular season hasn't even started. The Warriors have not received their fourth <laughs> championship ring, and already Draymond is Draymonding. And I was saying to Marcus before we started to record, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean this as as a personal shot, but Draymond Green's an asshole. He's a weapons grade asshole. Now he makes no and, makes no bones about it either. That makes absolutely, and he he's an asshole that provides a very valuable service to his squad. He he's an incredible defender. He's an incredibly intelligent basketball player, and I believe him to be a very intelligent person outside of basketball. But his personality. You know, if you're a Warrior fan, you call it fiery. If you're not a Warrior fan yep. or you can kind of look at it from a from a macro point of view, you just see that Draymond's an asshole. Here's the problem with assholes, and even when they're your assholes, that they're assholes 100% of the time. And when they move in kind of a 360-degree circular motion, yeah, that asshole is going to be put to good use, is going to be put on those that you see uh, who are adversaries to you. But eventually that assholishness is going to get spewed on the people that you are, uh, you you work with or you worked for, and we've seen this yep. from Draymond before when he cussed out Steve Kerr in the, in the locker room in Oklahoma City back in I think it was 2016 when he yep. when he called Kevin Durant a bitch in front of everybody <laughs> in LA a few years ago. Um, uh, there, there was another situation I'm forgetting about, and now we got the one with uh, with Jordan Poole. This is just who Draymond Green is. And I don't think it's going to well, kill got the Well, he got into it with Jordan Poole before. He got into it with Jordan Poole. Remember, in the game last year, he got into a, a, an argument with Jordan Poole during a game. Yeah, but I I, I kind of put that aside because that happens all the time. But you squabbling with a teammate in practice, that don't happen all the time. Like, people try to say it, it does. Like, well, Michael Jordan hit Steve Kurt. Well, yeah, that was a big deal when that happened, too. That's an outlier. Dudes don't fight in practice. That doesn't happen. Dudes don't call another guy a, a, a bitch and everybody know you a bitch in front of everybody. That don't happen. Dudes don't motherfuck their coaches <laughs> in, in locker rooms loud enough where people outside the locker room can hear it. That stuff doesn't happen. And it, it, it blows me away when people, a lot of those people, Warrior fans, try to normalize Draymond's behavior and go, no, nah, that happens all the time in the NBA. No, yes. I don't. People don't act like that in locker rooms all the time. I've been around the NBA for 30 years. I've been in enough locker rooms. I know enough players. That kind of shit don't happen all the time. Stop normalizing it. Just admit it. You got an asshole on your team that's really good for your team, but sometimes that asshole can have a negative and deleterious effect on your squad. Just admit it. Yeah, yeah. 100% fair, 100% true, 100% right. I've never had a problem with it. I've played on teams with dudes who I like. I can't stand this dude, but Especially on a team like the Warriors, everybody, I mean, I, this is not meant to be a diss, so I hope if there's anybody who's ever listened to this, they, they don't take it as such. But there's a fairly soft team, a fairly a team of fairly nice guys. And I hate to say it, that's not going to win you nothing in any of these professional sports. you got to have a little bit of some dickishness in you. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's, and it's – it's tough when you have only legitimately one guy who was like that on your team. But that's that that was what was so great about the bad boys. Like all those dudes were that. All those dudes were well, Joe Mar Joe Dumars was it, but all the rest of those cats were. 
Yeah, uh, but you, the you know, Bulls, you you had you had to have Jordan and Kobe and even Shaq was a dick. <laughs> like you just have to have it. I think about uh, my Rockets. Uh, Vernon Maxwell was that guy. Oh now, my God, Vernon burned bright uh, and, and, and burned hard to the point where they had to trade him. But you know, every every crew, every group, every team, yeah, you got to have that guy. You know, you just and you hope that guy doesn't it doesn't hit the self destruct button on the team. Yeah, but whether whether you're a basketball team. Or whether you're a crew that that you know that kicks it out and about, every squad got to have a guy that can talk to the cops, and mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully he's white. <laughs> That's exactly who to talk to the cops guy. Uh, but if a crazy person can also be your your quasi asshole, when you got yourself a nice two for one, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every, every crew mm-hmm. got to have a pretty boy. You know, yep. <laughs> you know, gotta have you somebody know. that all that all the mamas like. Yeah, I, I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked about some of those basketball a holes. Oh, Bruce Bruce Bowen was another one. Um, yeah, he's borderline, if not completely dirty. Oh my god! Uh, think about some baseball guys. Jeff Kent. <laughs> Jeff Kent was a oh my god, class. Barry Bonds. Barry was a dick. Yeah. Uh, who else can I think? A lot of, a lot of pitchers. A lot of pitchers are uh, are asshole. Madison oh, Clemens. Bumgarner. Roger Clemens. Clemens was a dick. Madison Bumgarner, former Giant. Um, yes. Forth, one of the greatest uh, postseason performances, World Series performances in history. Did a mean Sandy Koufax impression back in 2014. He's now with Arizona Diamondbacks. Just a world class asshole. Well, in, in baseball, mm-hmm. they're not called assholes. They're called red asses. Red asses. That's right. Just you, you don't that's even right. that doesn't even need any ex, explanation. It just it the, <laughs> the, the the term speaks speaks for itself. Madison Bumgarner, Bob Gibson, Bob Gibson, world class red ass. Yeah, yeah. World class. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, baseball has some legendary ones. Football. That's who can I think of anybody? Who, oh well, all the guys on the Steelers in the seventies. Those dudes are jerks. Uh, yeah, but that was that was that was steroid stuff. <laughs> just roll, just ray, roid rage all the time. <laughs> now your Raiders has some too. Now I I, I noticed you was an oh Oakland my god fan. You you went with the Steelers. Lyle Alzado, Lyle Alzado was <laughs> oh ooh. Uh, James I mean, Harrison, about former Steeler, former, former modern day Steeler, world class, good one, world class. Charles asshole. Haley, Charles oh, Haley. My god. Yeah, oh. Charles Haley for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to mess with Charles. I think he was like borderline, like real, some real like mentally emotional things going on with Charles. Oh, there ain't no borderline about it. Ain't no borderline about it. <laughs> Antonio Brown. diplomatic, right? Well, I know oh, you are. <laughs> Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. See, he's the dude. He's that guy who crosses the line, and you just you can't play with him at all. Yeah, yeah because yeah. he has zero zero loyalty to anybody. At least yeah. those assholes they have loyalty to their team. But this dude is all about himself. Russell Westbrook, he's he's a dick. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's just it's it's such a weird like it's just such a weird dichotomy, right? That you you in order to win, you have to have this kind of player, but nobody ever wants to be that guy. The guys who are that, that's just 
who they are naturally. That's a very good point. The dudes that that are the the assholes, just to use that catch-all term, man, do they lean into it. Ooh, yep. they lean into it. They're like, oh, okay, I get to operate in this space and no one's going to check me or challenge me, but then let me really get my elbows out. If I'm going to play this yep. role, I'm simplifying it here, but if I'm going to play this role, then I'm going to play this role. You know, I'm, I'm going to no, you're right. this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. But I mean, you think about it because there are guys who have tried. The first name that comes to mind is LeBron. Remember look, that year LeBron tried to be the asshole? Yeah. It, it, it didn't feel right. It didn't seem right. And he was, it was just a, an act. It was phony and everybody knew it. Tom Brady tried to do that one year. Um, I, I think it was the, the year they went undefeated in the regular season and then lost that awesome Super Bowl to the Giants. <laughs> he tried to, to, to be that guy, you know, slamming helmets and, and barking and screaming. And it, 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 it fit him like an ill-fitting pair of pants. You're just like, really? Well, really, yo? That's, that's not you. they had theirs. They had their asshole. His name was Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> he was what? their asshole. <laughs> oh. Oh. The serial killer. Yes, they tend to be assholes. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm um, completely uh, jumping uh, topics here. But no, go for it. There's a serial killer in Salinas? Serial killer in Northern California, operating primarily out of Stockton, apparently. Yeah, Stockton, um, thank you. Yeah, that's wild. And he's killed people there. He also killed somebody in Oakland. And he seems to yes, be targeting men. Men, and he seems to be targeting Latino men. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Oof. It's, you know, if, scary, if, right? If the, the second decade of the 21st century hasn't been weird enough. Um, Dude. I mean, we got we still got serial killers out here. That just that serial killers and bank robbers, they always strike me as as relics from the past. And when I hear of a bank getting robbed or, you know, something as, as heinous as there's a serial killer on the loose, which is like, man, people still people still doing that? Rod, did I ever, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I it's was like going cattle to rustling, school, like people still do that? When I was going to school, I wanted to work for the FBI. I was really interested in being a, a criminal profiler. And I knew that I wanted to go to Quantico and I wanted to learn how to do it. And I wanted to be one of those guys. And then once I got into school and I started to study, I started taking my criminology classes. I even still Start have my textbooks weed. around. Well, here's what I found <laughs> out. In, in, order to, in order to get into Quantico and in order to be in the FBI, you have to do a certain amount of hours as a beat cop. And I'm like, well, guess that nah. kills me. I ain't yeah. going to do that. <laughs> I ain't walking nobody's beat, pr primarily because I know me. And I know that if I'm out there having to stop drug drug dealers and I'm pulling dudes over and they got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cash on them, I'm skimming. <laughs> like all that money, ain't, it ain't all getting to the evidence locker, baby. So <laughs> I can oh, promise so, you that. <laughs> so you mean you were going to, well be a cop you were just gonna do see, what police do anyway oh okay. that's right but see i'd have been the one i'd have been the one who they they made the scapegoat so when everybody got caught suddenly <laughs> suddenly marcus is the ringleader he told us how to do this like i was just following y'all <laughs> <laughs> oh bad dude 
<laughs> yes, that, we we I know we've gotten off track, but I love and I love to be able to do random stuff. So please feel free to do that anytime you want. That makes these conversations just, a lot more just, interesting. Uh, you know that that news came out this week, and then you know yeah. people have really gotten into the the Jeffrey Dahmer um, series on Netflix, which I I haven't watched. I don't, I don't plan on watching it, not because I have some I'm high and mighty. It's just you know I'm I'm not really that big of a television watcher anyway. Oh man. Um, but yeah, I, people are, are really gotta, digging on that. I got to tell you, I uh, and obviously this is something that's right up my alley because I'm com- incredibly interested in this sort of stuff. Um, and I know the Jeffrey Dahmer story very, very well. I studied this mm. thing a lot. And so one of the things that people are talking about is uh, how it almost glorifies Jeffrey Dahmer and how, you know, it makes uh, you're glorifying a man who's preying on black people. I'm like, that's not what I got from that. Like I watched this thing and I'm like, no, I didn't get that Jeffrey Dahmer was being glorified at all. What I got from it was exactly what I always thought about. It was the reason that this dude was able to get away with what he was getting, what he was getting away with for so long was because of the apathy and the disinterest of the authorities in actually doing anything about the complaints that were being lobbed at Jeffrey Dahmer because yeah. there were black gay men involved yeah. and the cops didn't give a shit. And it was only by happenstance that he was finally caught because even the cops who finally went back to Jeffrey Dahmer's house after yet another black man came asking for help, they didn't even want to go investigate and talk to the dude in the first place. Yeah. And this show really, really points that out. So for me, it's not this whole we glorifying Jeffrey Dahmer thing. It really points the finger at uh, law enforcement. And the it, hypocrisy and the prejudice. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, one of my favorite—not uh, my one of my my absolute favorite radio show, The Bonfire, with uh, guys we know: Dan Soder, Big J Okerson, uh, Crackle Crackle. Yeah. Shout out to the Bonfire crew. Uh, <laughs> Big J was, was talking about it because he, he's watched the whole thing, and, and exactly what you said is what he said. The one thing oh, really? he got out of it was that it just showed how. The cops wanted nothing to do with the, the crimes because they didn't want to have to deal. It, it was just too gay for them. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? You would have people you know, calling in who were neighbors of Jeffrey Dahmer going, he's killing someone again. The cops would show up and be like, and Dahmer would be like, no, me and my boyfriend, you know, we're just having sex. And yeah. the cops would go, ooh, and they would scurry, yeah. they would scurry away. You know, so Big J just, he, he, he brought that out right off the rip when talking about, uh, the series, and I forget who was the author of this tweet, but it, the tweet said that, you know, in reference to the Dahmer series, y- y- people say, well, you know, these serial killers, after a while, they get lazy, and that's how they they get caught. Yeah, because they end up being, you know, just bad at the crime. It's not yeah. due to spectacular police work. It's always due to the serial killer making a mistake to the point where people eventually figure out that this person is doing, you know, one of the most heinous things a human being could do. Yes, sir. And there's another common uh, thread is that many of the, in many of these cases, uh, the police ignore a lot of red flags. They ignored a lot of stuff with Ted Bundy, like ignored Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff with Ted Bundy. Just you, you, when you read these cases and you study these cases, you really, Oh my God. These are supposed to be our best and our brightest. These guys were terrible. It's not even that these serial killers were like 
so smart and diabolical. Just the police work was just trash. Naughty. Awful. Because they didn't care. They were yeah. prostitutes, sex workers, black folks, uh, black women, etc. The people who society, society deems not as important. And so you're able to get away with shit for a long, long time. Have they done a documentary on, you remember the Atlanta child murders? Of course you oh, do. Oh, yes. It, it, scared every, yes. it scared every black kid in the 80s half to death, if not completely. Yes. Uh, have they done yes. a documentary on Wayne Williams? Was it Wayne Williams? A few of them. Yeah. Do they have a few of them. them? They, uh, okay. It's, uh, there's, there's, uh, I think there's still one on Netflix. There's a couple of podcasts that are really good about that. Uh, and you just realize that Wayne thought he was really smart. He was much smarter than everybody else. And he was apparently a very intelligent guy, but he was able to get away with things. Not because he was so smart, but because these were little black kids. That's and why I brought here's it up. What's right. Here's what's really fucked up about it, though, is, yes, the belief is that Wayne Williams did murder some of these kids, but not all these kids. And because they cannot draw any connections to Wayne and all the children who died. As a matter of fact, to this day, many of those cases remain unsolved and just mm. are attributed to Wayne mm. Williams. They stopped investigating those cases just because they want to just get it all on Wayne because there was the public outcry and they mm. didn't want to deal with all these black folks coming after them anymore about trying to find out why all these kids are being killed. Wayne Williams apparently was definitely the murderer of a few of those kids, but there's a bunch of those kids who he was not responsible for and law enforcement mm. decided, nah, fuck it. We'll just mm. put these on Wayne. It really interesting stuff to read about. Man. Yeah. It, it's, <clears throat> Boy, uh, Stockton and uh, the folks down there, it's just, God be with you, because if you're waiting on the cops to figure this out, real talk. I think we might be waiting for a while. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on to, to lighter fare, uh, get into the pop culture world. Uh, and, and there's a bit of, of, of sports here with, mm. uh, with my pop culture take. Uh, last podcast, uh, I hipped everybody on to the fact that uh, there is an obscenely rich lady out there, and she's single. Jeff Bezos's ex-wife, who got yeah. forty billion in a divorce, gave t half of it away, which means she still has twenty billion dollars. Uh, she's yeah. single. She uh, divorced or filed for divorce from her second husband, who, strangely enough, was not a billionaire. So uh, Mackenzie Bezos, she's single. Uh, act accordingly. Fellas, there's another lady out there, not as rich, definitely better looking. You might want to get on it. Giselle Bunchen and Tom Brady are headed for divorce. They have both lawyered up, and Giselle is done with Tom Brady. Many are saying that it has to do with him returning to play football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. It is being reported by TMZ, a.k.a. the Messy Zone, that uh, Giselle <laughs> has uh, wanted Tom to stop playing football for years. So uh, Tom's unretirement this past offseason was not necessarily the last straw. Who cares? All I'm saying to the city boys out there <laughs> is that Mackenzie Bezos and Giselle Bunchen are single presumably ready to ring uh, mingle and they are definitely yeah. rich as hell fellas start stalking good luck to dude you. you know what's interesting is uh, first of all i do believe giselle is worth more than tom which is saying oh, she a is. lot 
Oh, she is. Wouldn't it be hilarious you... if Tom Brady got alimony? <laughs> you want to talk about the come up? I mean, hey, man, hey, he already uh, got some of those PPP loans during the pandemic. So, you know, he ain't above trying to get a little bit of extra for himself. So, <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting, Rod, is you bring this up. And I actually gave some thought about making this uh, our juice segment because I am fascinated by relationships and the things that break us apart and the things that keep us together, what makes them successful and what dooms them. And it is so interesting to me that clearly Giselle has not, and for good reason, she has not wanted him to play football at this. I mean, the dude is pushing 50 and he's out there throwing the rock around and I get it. Like from her standpoint, I get it. I don't want my husband out there at 45 years old playing football, getting hit by 300 pound men and at some point, I don't know how long they've been together. Ten years, Something somewhere like along that. those yeah. lines. Yeah, maybe longer. That's a that's a that's a long time to be a football wife, and especially when you're in your fucking forties and she wants to spend time with her husband. I would. I'm interested in wondering what kind of guy Tom Brady is, where he's like, "I love you, baby, but I love playing this game more than I love being married to you and being, you know." in the family and being the daddy to these kids full time. That's, that's heavy stuff, Rod. He's, a, he's I almost a feel like it's a mental thing. Oh, absolutely. It is. It, it seems to me as, as I, as I completely overstep my bounds and, and I do some amateur, you know, psychoanalyzing here, Tom Brady strikes me as a dude who once football is over, he's going to have a real hard time. Yeah. Um, and and we're we're just seeing that on a grand scale. And I and and that listen, that's a thing. You know, the average NFL career is is three years. Um, so even if you if you exceed that by fifty percent, you're still done when you're in your late twenties, early thirties. But yep. football has been your entire life since you were ten years old. Now multiply that by whatever with Tom Brady. Football has been Tom Brady's life since he was 10, 12 years old. And now he's he's running uphill to 50. Yeah. And he looks around and he goes, when this is over, now what? And for a lot of people, you would think, well, yeah, hang out with your supermodel wife, hang out with your kids, make some easy TV money, and that's it. But clearly we could tell with Tom Brady, who has worked his way up from a six-round draft pick to the greatest quarterback of all time. Listen, that doesn't happen by accident. That's not being ordained by God. That's a guy who very early on in his NFL career realized, if I really mash the gas on this hard, I can do something incredible. He did that, and he has done yeah. something incredible, which is to become the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League. But that takes an insane amount of drive, it takes an insane amount of dedication and it takes an insane amount of single mindedness and selfishness. Yeah. That makes it difficult for you to have anything that resembles a normal family life. That's Tom yeah, Brady man. right now. Yeah. That's so, guys, that's so on the money. It's, it's really, it's kind of sad because it is. I, it I, is. I'm, I'm, surp I'm surprised that I'm actually feeling this way because I'm usually one of those cats like, no, man, you play to the wheels come off because you can't get to play anymore. But even I feel like, dude, there comes a time where you just got to take the cleats off and spend time with your family, dude, your kids. Uh, six months away, six months. 
I, I get where she's coming from. And for Tom, I hope he's, like you said, he's not going to be the same person. He's going to need some therapy. He's going to need to figure out what else he is other than a quarterback because that is such a finite time, and he's he's already done as much as he can do with it. He doesn't even look that good this year. Um, I, I uh, It's just a weird thing, and I, I just wonder how people can get past these things when their entire being is not about being the best husband they could be or the best dad mm-hmm. they could be or even, or even the best friend they could be. It's clearly and always about being the best football player you could be or the best, you know, in some cases, the best CEO. It's not unlike other things that happen in the average person's life where the husband or the wife or someone is always gone doing their job and spending no time with the family. You can't keep a connection that way. You can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He went down to the crossroads, Tom Brady, and made a deal with the football devil. And eventually he's going to have to pay up. You know what I mean? And I, I'm I, I'm yep. I'm being, you know, silly and I'm being ridiculous here. You're right. But he he's, you know, and sometimes you're going to have to pay the piper. And, you know, just from a human standpoint, I, I, I hope he's able to figure this out. You know, divorce. Yep. And, and as a child of divorce, I know, hey, man, it's hell on the kids. It really is, man. I don't care how much yep. money you got. I don't care who you are. Divorce is hard on the kids. So, you know, if this is true. And I would say this for anybody, famous or not famous, man, I, you know, I, I hope some way you're able to find some peace. I hope some way your kids are able to to come through this and be well adjusted. You know, you feel bad for anybody, anybody's marriage who falls apart. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's going to be hard for old boy. It really is. Yeah. And, it's going to be hard. And just be. Just because you can play that long doesn't necessarily mean you should play that long. I think about this sometimes now with uh, with LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James, I could easily see him playing till he's 43 years old, 44, 45 years old. He, I, watching him the other night, oh, my God, this dude doesn't look like he's aged at all. I, he's better now offensively than I've seen him in years. It's insane. And I could definitely see him as another guy being going, you know what, I just keep playing. I just keep on playing. He wants to play with his kids. Are you kidding yeah, me? But, but I but I think that's noble, though. I think wanting to play with your kids to me that's a reason to hang around because they, because it's there, there's there's an end to it. You know what I mean? It's finite. I want to hang around and second play with my kids. That's a that's a wild statement to make, and even wilder thing Absolutely. to actually pull off. But I get that. But if you're Tom Brady, you're just like I want to keep playing because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's 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 no end to it. There there's 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 no terminal to 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 get off at. You know what I mean? You just like at what point do it does it become enough? At what point do you stop? He doesn't know. And at what point do the people around him say, "Tom, you got to stop." Who? But who's going to get off him? this crack? Who's well, going to tell scary, him? I mean, he unfortunately, the NFL will have to tell him. Well, exactly. Right. When he is of no use to the NFL, then, you know, that that's going to take care of itself. But that's going to be even even more of an of an abrupt situation to deal with, because Tom Brady has never been told no by any football team. So Mm -mm. when that happens, that's really going to send him, you know, spiraling. But he hasn't listened to his wife. I'm sure his family, you know, his mother and his father are not going to tell him, you know, stop. Um, So, yeah, man, it's. So you want to be a famous star athlete, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, no, you don't. I, I, 
I hate to bring up this dude, but I feel like every other week now we're bringing this clown up in terms of pop culture stuff. Is Kanye West is Kanyeing once again? Fuck this guy, man. Uh, and I, I just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to treat him like the former president. I'm not even going to mention this dude's name because that's so, what he vibes on. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm th- this guy. Anyway, as you were saying, God, no, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, you, you, at some point, we just have to all go. We're done. We're done. We we can't do this with you, dude. We're done with you. And there's this. We talked about it last week. There's always this. Well, that's Kanye being Kanye. Or I had my boy who's a comic saying, "Well, man, you know what? Everybody shouldn't be getting mad over it's a publicity stunt." Like Brian, it's it's not the fact that it's a publicity stunt. There's plenty of publicity stunts. These things that this dude does, they hurt people, and they are things that legitimately hurt black folks because that dude has so much power and sway and influence over the other folks. And the, you, you do this, you Kanye West, for those who don't know, he decided to drop in the white lives matter t-shirt at one of his fashion shows. And he showed up with Candace Owens, another trash human being in a matching uh, white lives matter t-shirts. And it's, it, I, I saw it and I just, I just wanted to throw up. And the, you know, one of the worst parts is, is they got Bob Marley's granddaughter as a model and who she is now caping for Kanye. And I'm going, your daddy would roll over and slap oh, the taste out of your mouth. Lauren Hill and Rohan Marley's kid. Really? Oh, man. Oh, geez. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, for Kanye. I've, I've been, I, I've, I haven't said those words and maybe I shouldn't, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I've been, it's fine. you know, like I said last week, I haven't been, I haven't banged with that dude forever. Um, I've always considered myself to be a really good judge of people. Um, and right from the beginning, when that guy hit, I was just like, I don't like this dude. And <laughs> he continues to validate my dislike of him. This latest stunt, along with him saying slavery was a choice, along with him being down with the former president, that's 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 a bridge too far. Those are bridges too far. Yeah, I I have been done with him. I, 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 I don't even see him as a fellow black man. I don't see him as a fellow American. I don't see him. I will still grant him his humanity, but other than that, fuck you. He's got, he's got his own. It's such an interesting thing. He's got his almost Trump like cult of personality. Like I can't believe that these cats are still running around going, well, I was just Kanye and he's a, he's a free thinker. No, man. You ever notice how people who are quote unquote free thinkers always say the most vile shit and do the most vile things and turn around and say, well, I'm just a free thinker. I'm so tired of that shit. These are the same people that think what Kyrie Irving is saying is somehow deep. These are the same people who look at Antonio Brown, who is a world-class asshole and who is in need of some serious help. And he's, he's an asshole. And eventually you might be down with him, but eventually he's going to turn and get that asshole on you. But these are the people along with, the person whose name I will not mention, they glorify them and look at, look at these guys, man, just out yep. here and they don't need anybody. And they, 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 they're sticking it to the man. Like, no, you, 
you lionizing and holding up in 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 glory, if you will, yeah, the wrong yeah. type people. So to me, anybody who looks at what the person whose name I will not mention and goes, <laughs> yeah, man, this guy's got it all figured out, you know what? Then you're an asshole too. Anybody who looks at what Kyrie Irving is saying and what Antonio Brown is doing and go, nah, man, you wrong for saying that those guys are wrong. You know what? You're an asshole just like them. I, I, I like the, it when people show me who they are so I don't have to figure it out. And exactly. I truly believe in the company you keep. And that's who you, if, if you're down with any of those three, then I can't be down with you. Well, and it, it, the the hypocrisy is is like I just hate that we gloss over his hypocrisy and like wow we really doing this y'all just because he's black like nah this kid this cat cannot get a pass this is a dude who turns around and says uh, to his ex wife about how they're just trying to keep a black man down and trying to keep him from his kids who turn around and wear the white lives matter t shirt or you're always talking you're always begging white folks for their money for your businesses, constantly trying to make money off of them, constantly begging them to get money. But I ain't seeing you put this money back in the black community. I see you spending that shit on flossing and trying to become a billionaire. I see that you are a guy who's nothing but interested in the material things in life. Don't give me, you can't be, you, you can't be OJ. You can't be black when it's convenient. Straight up. You can't be black when it's convenient. You either are that shit all the time or you're not. But don't try to blame Kim Nim for the fact that you are a piece of shit. I say it again. He said slavery was a choice. Then uh, he was down with the former president. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the latest, the whole White Lives Matter thing with old, old girl whose name I will not mention. Because she's just like one of those, you know, it's, it's her, her getting shine is that's oxygen to her. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't care that he made 808 and heartbreak. I don't care. I, I, it's, I'm, I have been done with him. I, I, I'm fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm being very coarse and rude, uh, nah. but I, I got, I got. No, no more, no mas. You know this. Uh, this actually kind of leads me into just my random thought uh, about where we are as a nation and where we will be twenty years from now. Like I don't just looking at the landscape of the country as it stands with where the Supreme Court is, the fact that I mean. I, I keep thinking that maybe Americans are smarter and more intelligent, more uh, discerning than they clearly are. And as we've talked about, sometimes when people show you who they are, you just have to trust that that's what they are. And the fact that now I'm seeing this stuff with Herschel Walker, it's like the more stuff that comes out about Herschel Walker, the less I'm literally saying, watching people say, I don't care what he's done in his past. I don't care if those things are true. I'm still going to vote for him. Like, wow, where the fuck are we? This is insane, Rod. It's insane. You know that they are now neck and neck. He and Warnock are now neck and neck. This is my concern because these folks don't give a shit about anything. They are fake patriots, dude. And where things are going, I can't imagine that this is going to be a country that is welcoming to us and our children 
and our families in the next 20, 25 years? Let me say first that I thought it was virtually impossible for the person whose name I will not mention to get elected president in 2016. Boy, was I wrong. So I say all that to say this. I still don't think Herschel Walker is going to win. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be as are close. You, are you confident? As many people, I am actually confident. Absolutely. Oh, I see. I am Absolutely. not. I am not confident. And, I, and I don't think it's going to be as, as close as people think, as people fear. I really don't. Now, again, I was very <laughs> wrong in 2016. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I should well, shut up think- about matters. <laughs> well, think about this too, right? Like all the all these things are factors now is because we've got all these uh Trumpian MAGA folks literally in these very 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 tight um Senate and House races. And they're go- and some of them are going to win. The latest numbers I see are that the House is going to flip. And we're going to have yeah, that, that MAGA control House. But that, but that, and then, that is due to excessive gerrymandering and and all of yes. the things that the Republican Party has been doing over the last uh, over the last fifty years. But that that yes. is that has always That's, been the consensus that the House is but, going to flip. But yes, the Senate. But the is problem is for the Democrats. The problem is though. The problem that I have is that it's going. To, this is my point. It's like this is why this is why I say we're not as discerning as I thought. Because yes, that's the pattern. But you would think because we have this former guy basically touching these candidates and saying, uh, you're going to go and represent my people, my perspective, that it wouldn't be close because it shouldn't be close. Because if we really, uh, really were the America that we both thought it was, these folks wouldn't have a chance. But yeah, but do. no, you, you, you're right. Things have changed that we have we have normalize putting stupid bad people uh in a position to represent us whether it's in the house of representatives or whether it's as a u.s senator i will say this though if you go back and you look at the people that have been handpicked by the former president if you go back and look at people that have been endorsed by the former president across the board they're 100 train wrecks but also the majority of them have lost. Okay. They've lost the people that he has personally endorsed people that he, that, that, that have been sort of uh, in, in lockstep with the ideals of the former president and, and how he gets down. Those people have lost their elections. So I, I, I think again, we, because we have social media and because how we get information is different. Now we, we tend to think, you know, the loudest people are the ones that get the attention. And with social media being an amplification device, those loud people get even and their ideas and the people who follow them get even louder, get even more shine. That doesn't necessarily mean that the majority of people, and you still have to have a majority to win an election. That's right. The majority of people are, 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 down with them or down with the movement in full in total. So that's part of the reason why I'm confident just to get to the, to the Georgia Senate race. That's part of the reason why I'm confident. 
just because you have these people publicly on Fox News and those other channels that nobody pays attention to that spew that right wing bullshit and on on social media, just because you have these people going, nah, I'm still down with Herschel Walker. That that doesn't mean that the 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 voters of Georgia, the Republican voters of Georgia, feel the exact same way. What I think is going to happen is this is yeah, you're gonna have some people who are gonna vote for Herschel Walker because he was a football player from the University of Georgia, one of the greatest of all time in the history of college football. Um, mm. You are going to have some people who will vote for him because they they are power hungry, just like the Republican Party is. So they want their people to win and they want their people to be in power. You will have those people that will do that. But what I think will happen is that you will have enough Republican voters who will look at the idiocy of Herschel Walker as a human being and the idiocy of his campaign and go, I'm just not going to go vote. But what you will have on the other side of that is with the help of Stacey Abrams, who is going to run, who is running for governor of Georgia. And I think will win the gubernatorial, uh, the governor. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, yeah. I think she's going to win. You're going to have black people in Georgia voting heavy, 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 heavy. Thanks to people like Stacey Abrams. So the combination of Republicans not voting at all, not going to the polls in mass like they normally do and not voting because they don't want to vote for Herschel Walker. Combine that with the people combined with black people in Georgia who are going to vote against Herschel Walker and for Raphael Warnock and for Stacey Abrams. To me, that combination is why I'm not fearful that Herschel Walker yeah. is going to be a U.S. senator. I, Again, I, I did not think what right. happened in November of 2016 would happen. Take that with a grain of salt. I, I certainly hope you are right. I, I, I think it is very plausible for people to not vote. But when I read the polling and I see where we are, I see that the Republican Party now has twice as much of a Latino vote as it did 10 years ago, where it was once 20 percent. Now they're up to 40 percent of the Latino vote. There's a there's a much bigger piece of the black population, the black voting population that is much more interested in supporting Donald Trump. It's very, very scary. The new voting rights have laws. Hard, I have a hard time believing that. I, 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 mm. I don't, I, I'll me, tell you what. Yeah, I have man, a hard time I, believing that, that, that Latino people, specifically Mexicans, who have been no. demonized by the Republican Party and its leaders heavy since 2016, and black people who have seen how crude and how awful and how vile the Republican Party is. We've seen that now, and they've been very open in their yes. racism. I, think, I, I refuse to believe that you have black people who over the past six to eight, if, uh, over the past four to six years have gone, I, you know what, I could get down with that. Like, I just, I, 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 I don't believe that. I don't. I can tell you, I can tell you this, and I can tell you this only anecdotally, but I can tell you from my own experience, especially when I was, I used to do a show at a local station, a talk show uh, at iHeart. And during the election of Donald Trump and just walking around and talking to folks, I, I could not, I, here's one of the things. And I've always, and I actually said this for decades. I always said that if the right was somehow smart because black folks and Latinos are very socially conservative folks, very socially conservative. And I said, if they tapped into that 
at some point and manage to get more of those folks to come to their side, they're going to win elections for a long time to come. And particularly with Latinos, it's it's happening. And I the the uh, I just saw a guy talking about. It. It's like, yeah, the Democratic Party, they stopped talking to us. They abandoned us. So these guys come here. They I mean, talk you, about the yeah, things okay, that we value. Fine. The Democratic Party, you think, is abandoning you, but the Republican Party is demonizing you and getting you yeah. killed. I, yeah, I just they I, don't I, care. I don't... They don't care. They care we, more we about do... stopping people from using. People stopping, stopping trans women from using the men's room. They care more about keeping gays from getting married. They care more yeah. about keeping people from getting abortions than they do about being called a rapist. Because you know what they go? Well, he ain't talking about me. The, those, the Republicans, to their, their devious credit, they have used those wedge issues like yes. uh, gay marriage and abortion yep. and, and now trans rights. They've used those wedge issues to their advantage. I hear what you're saying on that. And we do have a history in this country of people voting against their own self-interest. That, that is as American as capitalism and concussions in football. Um, So you're right on that. And again, I guess I'm just being naive. I, I, I get that there's a certain segment of where they're not talking about me. I'm not a racist. I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm but, but they're, but they are talking about you. You can't be yeah, that. Of course they are. And that silly of course they are. Yes. They're not talking about me when they're not, they're not even dog whistling anymore. They're barking this shit out loud. They are being openly. Yes. Racist. They're they, being openly vile. I, I just, they, I, I don't, I just, I can't, I am being naive. I can't see people <laughs> of color looking at the Republican Party and going, nah, man, they're not talking to me. No, they're talking about you. And once they and, and now that they've gotten what they want abortion wise, and if they eventually mm-hmm. get what they want in terms of rolling back rights for gays and trans people, you know who they're coming after next? Yo, black ass. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They just don't see it. You and I have been around long enough to to know this game serve what you get then amen amen we may all have to move to paris <laughs> oh, some european country some right-wing assholes in paris too they sure and some left-wing assholes so <laughs> I, I, I laugh to keep from crying you want to hit hey, you with man, the juice i um I, I, yeah, but I always listen to Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who, because what that, that song, which came out in 1971. So at the end of the, the, you know, the, the hippie movement and, you know, the Vietnam war raging, and then we were entering Mm. into the seventies, you know, a a time of uncertainty, you know, I, I just, man, Pete Townsend's lyrics 50 years ago. He wrote them. They still apply to this day. And basically, and it, it's a dude that's just going real selfish and real insular. He's saying, there's a lot of shit going on right now that I just can't get down with. As long as me and my family are okay, you yeah. know, then that's good enough for me. And while that is a very selfish way of looking at things, 
man, when shit starts to go wild and things get chaotic, man, that's what happens. As, as long as you and your people are good, yeah, hey, man, that that's really all you can. That's really all you can 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 vibe on. You, you know, I just. <laughs> As a as a quick side note, did you see uh, Roger Waters was talking about how oh, that he basically he, he he supports Putin and he thinks that all this other stuff is uh, yeah. anti Russian propaganda? I'm like, dude, hey, hey, what? Speaking of assholes, you have them in music too, and <laughs> yes, bands you do are just, are just teams with instruments. And Roger Waters, <laughs> big part of Pink Floyd, along with David Gilmore and Sid Barrett, who died before. Roger Waters is a world class asshole. Wow, dude! (laughs) All right, as much as I as much as I love Stuart Copeland, he's one of my favorite drummers. As much as I love the Police, Stuart Copeland, world class asshole. It's just so it's the same thing. And Roger Waters so is is uh, is that guy. So anyway, the Jews. Moving on. Yeah, this is uh, this is not quite as heavy, but then again, maybe it is. we just saw what happened with Miami's QB um, over the last couple of weeks. Getting hit in the game, watching that dude hobble around and try to stand and try to get on two feet. They let him play, and then the very next week he goes out again. And then, of course, there is the the faux outrage from the NFL and and not just the NFL, uh, everybody. How dare you? How why didn't you do blah blah blah? Like clearly, no one gives a shit about these players, and they, and the players had better smarten up and really start to demand some real strictures when it comes to concussion protocol because we've seen what happens to players once they leave the league, and I just wonder yep. at some point will the NFL be able to maintain its stature and its place in the sort of the the sports lineage as the top dog, if they don't get something, if they don't get their heads wrapped around this, if they don't get their arms wrapped around this thing, because I can definitely see people's parents just simply not letting their kids play this sport. Um, no, nothing's going to stop the NFL. People don't care about concussions. Yes. The, there are less people playing football. Uh, there are less parents allowing their kids to play football, which means you're going to have less football players. However, um, Football participation is still at 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 very high levels. You, there is still a certain amount of this country who they look at football as um, a way out, if you will. They look at it as a viable uh, career, and they know the risks, and they're okay with it. You know, and yeah. and and as as far as it being entertainment, you go and you look at the numbers. Uh, football games, just regular season football games. I'm not talking about the playoffs. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, I'm talking about regular season NFL games. The viewership numbers are 25, 28 million people yep. to watch a Sunday afternoon game. I guarantee you the game between the, the Packers and the Bucks. So that's Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. And that was just this past Sunday. That was in the four o'clock East, one o'clock West Coast window. <clears throat> I guarantee you 25 million people watched that football game, maybe even more. Um, yeah. you know, we, we, we've been, we've been wondering if the NFL was, was on the decline or if the NFL's scandalous nature would somehow harm it, whether it was, you know, the Ray Rice situation and how that was handled, the violence against women or the, the current Deshaun Watson situation 
or when we found out that the NFL was keeping concussion information away from players, uh, you know, a few years ago, and then that concussion movie came out, and everybody's like, that's going to be the end of the NFL. Nope. Yep. The NFL is as yep. strong and as popular as ever. Why? Because we love the NFL. We love yep. our entertainment. And as long as we, as consumers, have that love, the NFL is going to continue to operate. The NFL has shown itself to not care about its players, to not care about brain injury, to not care about about uh, uh, the problem it has with the lack of black coaches, the lack of black general managers, the lack of black ownership. Black people, myself included, still watch the NFL. Still yeah, watch yeah. it. Even though we uh, know it is populated and run by terrible human beings who are racist, sexist, homophobic, all of the bad stuff. But we yep. continue to watch it. This concussion thing with Tua, yeah, it got some people pearl clutching, but no. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that the players, and this kind of gets back to your point, Marcus, when are the players going to stand up for themselves and ask for meaningful change when it comes to yep. how concussions are dealt with? I think the next collective bargaining agreement, and when they have to have a, 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 a they have to have a new contract, do the players put up a fight in that? Um, I, I I don't know, but a lot of people look at it as, hey man, the players they want to play with yep. concussions through concussions. Yep. If they're not going to advocate for themselves, why should I care? And that's yep. selfish. That's sure. wrong. But a lot of people look at it that way. Yep. Yep. I, um, I, I agree with every single thing you just said. I, I have, uh, I've asked myself that question for a while now and I'm just like, nah, this is a country that's far too addicted to this particular sport and nothing will ever change about it. Sure. There will be moments where people bitch and moan, but essentially the NFL is the Trump of professional sports. They can do all <laughs> kinds of terrible shit and it, <laughs> it won't matter. They won't care. And no, I do place do a lot of, bl I, <laughs> I do place a lot of blame for the condition of this sport. I hate to say it because it almost feels like blaming the victims, but sometimes when you're the victim, you have to advocate for yourself and the NFL union. It is the weakest union in professional sports. It continues to be. And until these dudes get the balls to stand up and you know what, we might have to sit this out for a while to get the things we want, because trust me, these owners don't want to lose all this money. There used to be yeah. a time where the owners could say, well, fuck it. Don't play it. But now if these players sit out, there's so much more money on the line for these owners than these players. And they need yeah. those players. They no one them. wants to lose any money, but here's the no. deal. And this is, this is where the players are a, 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 not in a position of strength is that the owners can withstand not right. having some games. Okay. Right. Cause they got the millions and the billions, the players, they don't have that. You got a few dudes who got that coin. Most of them quarterbacks and or wide receivers. Yep. Other than that, you got guys who are making a good amount of money. But it ain't that long, long money like the owners have. So That's the players, right. the owners don't want to, the, the, the owners don't want to miss out on all that money. The players don't want to miss paychecks. You see what I'm yep. saying? You got guys who are living, I'm, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, I'm simplifying this. They're, they're paycheck to paycheck while the owners are billionaires. So yes. the players, every time they, every time they, there's a, 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 
a contract negotiation, a CBA, uh, every time that happens, the players talk tough, and then it gets to a point where they could miss regular season games, which is when yep. they get paid, and then they yep. go, nah, forget that. I, no, no, let's just play. Um, yep. That's happened over – I mean, that's really happened over the last five or six, uh, you know, Every CBA single time. Every single time. So, yep. um, and, and, again, that just goes back to the players are like, hey, man, I'm just trying to go out here and play and get this money while I can because the average career is only three years. I'm I'm not in a position where I can I can lose money and if if me going out there with uh, with a scrambled brain if that's what I have to do then that's what I have to do because I got to get this money or I will be replaced and it's it's unfortunate but that's just the way it is yeah that that's why I feel this all goes back to the players not being uh, as united as they could be and should be to in terms of taking care of each other and being able to stand up to the NFL because the fact of the matter is is if the owners can withstand the loss, but let's be honest and let's be real about this. If those games ain't on TV, ain't nobody watching, and and though they will not be getting that money, they will not. Yeah, be but they'll just money. make the games up, though. They'll just make that, the games well, up. Th- this is the thing: they will have the the the, the scabs come in, but he eventually oh, no, 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 that no, no, gets no, no, all no, too. No. No, no, no. They won't. They won't do that again. They learned that lesson in 1987. They they will never be replaced <laughs> with players again. You will never have that again. Um, but what will happen is they'll just extend the season and just make the games up. Let's just say we had they where there was a a strike, a work stoppage, whether it's a lockout or a strike. Let's just say there was a work stoppage and they missed three games. They're going to make those games up. Oh, like, for sure because, they'll make them because, up. Because because ESPN, CBS, Fox, now Amazon, maybe Apple in the future. They paid for that those games. Yep. They paid for that inventory. They are going to want their inventory for the billions of dollars they paid the NFL for the rights to broadcast their games. So those games are going to get played with actual NFL players, not replacement but, players like we had in 1987. But the players, again, this is where they would have to show some balls. They'd be like, you know, we're not going to go back. We're not going to play those. We're going to start from here. But again, all these things, everything you're saying is 100% factual. I'm going to give that, them the money that that, the player, will, that will embolden them to have such testicular fortitude. That's my whole thing is these guys haven't organized themselves enough to create the fund that would be necessary to tie people over for a year or two because there's enough money. And as a matter of fact, if you're, if you're a dues-paying guy in the, in the NFLPA, you need to be saying, why aren't we doing this? We need to set this up because we want to be able to, in order to really do anything, the NFLPA has to be willing to say, fuck this, we're going to be out for a while. Just like the NBA was doing, just like the Major League Baseball players would do. But they don't, they won't do it because I don't think they'll ever get the sort of, uh, organization and will to fight for those things because exactly what you said, everybody's want those paychecks. Eventually, so let me present a scenario to you. 22-year-old Marcus Osborne, a couple of years out of college, you got yourself a foothold in the league. You're you're not a star, but you you're yep. you're a player <laughs> of of value. You're like, man, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this. I might be able to get five years out of this. I might be able to get a, one decent free agent contract out of this. Do you look at the 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 scenario you kind of presented? Do you look at that and go, all right, you know what? Yeah. All for one and one for all. I'm 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 here to help out future generations of NFL players. Yeah. Do you yeah. do that at the risk of putting a serious dent in your financials, or do you go, 
yo, man, I'm just trying to get this money and play as yeah. much football as I can because I know that 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 I'm burning daylight here. Yeah, I, I I mean that's a really really good question, and I would be honest about that question. If it was just me, single guy, young, coming out, I'm no, that but dude. You're not, you're not, but let me let me let me just say this. Let me let me say this though. It, the situations are two different situations. If it's just me, if you say if it's me coming out of school, 22 years old, I'm willing to take that fight. Or if I if it's if I don't have to have kids on the line, it's just me and my wife. I, I, I'm willing I, to take that I, fight. I, I'm willing you to take that fight. You, you, you got a you got a three year old baby from a girl you hooked up with in college. Yeah. You okay? You, you got a couple of homeboys you done put on. Fuck you those dudes. You bought your mama a new house. <laughs> you got you know you got yourself a nice a nice condo you know on the river in New Orleans. You know that Sweet. near the top of the mark. You know what I mean? You got yourself a a, a nice Mercedes Benz G wagon that depreciated yeah. as soon as you turned the key and drove it off the lot. You got expenses. So, again, it comes – I know that I'm different from most cats. Like, money doesn't drive me that way. It never has. It never will. Um, I'm, my wife and I have gotten into this conversation multiple occasions. Like, there's just there's just stuff I don't – that money doesn't move me in the way that it moves most people. Like, I have – there are certain things where I'm going, nope, not a chance. Not a chance. And you can't pay me enough to do it. Like, we joke about this stuff. But like if it, if it's something like that where I knew that it would have long term ramifications for potentially my health and for what happens with my kids, yeah, I mean I would probably think think about where I was on you know the food chain of NFL players. Also, it matters if I'm that first round draft pick and I got that big ass uh, signing bonus, or if I'm mm -hmm. that seventh mm -hmm. round draft pick and I'm trying to get on the playing squad, you know. I would tell everybody to do what they feel they need to do in their heart as every, you know, good teammate and good colleague would do. But I think ultimately as much as I would think about not doing this, I just got to make the money. I'd be like, I, I couldn't really live with myself knowing that I didn't do what I could to make this shit better for other people, especially knowing that a is, lot of, a lot of the sacrifices that prior players made before I got there, who the guys were running around with fucking, CTE and they're broke and, and it's all because nobody gave them game and set those guys up to do better. Mm -hmm. But we know better now. We know what the long-term ramifications are of not doing things. It just takes the will of people. I just don't think the will is there. I don't think there's that cohesion in the union like there is in the other unions. The problem is you have two different earnings groups. You have the superstar yep. earners. Like I said, many yep. of them are quarterbacks and skill position players, wide receivers yep. mainly. And then you have the rest of the dudes. Well, there's more rest of the dudes than there yep. are the big time, uh, you know, got broken off guys, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, what have you. Yep. And it's the other dudes, like I said, they're the bigger number. So invariably what ends up happening after a while in these long protracted labor uh, labor situations is that the rank and file guys, the regular dudes, they end up winning out because they start to just beat on the door and go, Hey man, yeah. I need to make this money. You know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, you can be comfortable not playing these games. I can't because yep. I'm making less than you and I have a shorter NFL career than you do. So, yep. you know, if, if, if everyone was somewhat equal in terms of how much money they made, then you would have more solidarity in terms of, no, this is the fight we need to fight. And this is how we all need to fight it. But because you have such a disparity in income with, uh, you know, with these players, with most of them 
not yep. being the big money types. Well, they yep. gonna do what they need to do for themselves, man. You you yep. you only as faithful as as your options. As your options, yeah. You know, I think about I think about things like when it comes to this kind of stuff. I I I always think about the sacrifices that our parents and our parents' parents mm-hmm. made in terms of creating. Obviously, the things aren't equal, but they are better and financially uh, for us than it was, you know. 50, 60 years ago, and you know these people were walking miles to make an extra few few dollars, few ones in their paycheck. So I'm like, you know what, man, I I, I can't see those people do those make those type of sacrifices and not go fuck it. I can go get a day job somewhere and do some shit. I, that's just me though, but I recognize that everybody's situation is different, and everybody everybody has to sort of uh, everybody would have to make a choice that most benefits themselves. But, you know, again, just coming from where we come from, particularly here in the stories of my mother and my grandparents talking about all the things that they had to sacrifice. I fuck, I can, I can, I can do it. I can do it. I can sacrifice. Your nobility is genuine and it is to be commended. Marcus Osborne. I just, and I know for a fact that not everybody would feel that way. And I know for a fact that I would fucking regret doing it. (laughs) <laughs> but I also, I also would know, I also would know that I don't, the, the, I hate to say it, but the guilt of not going out there and trying to make things better for the people who are coming after me, knowing what the folks ahead of me didn't do for mm-hmm. us in, in terms of football. And, you know, you see these guys, like I said, they fucking, homeless and mental health issues and and all these things and it's all of it is because nobody decided to get together and take care of each other and this is such a small fraternity i feel a a small fraternity with a gigantic pot of money that everybody can eat from if we just had the fortitude to fucking stick it out because eventually these owners will come around. They will come around. They might not give you everything they, that you want, but they will definitely make reasonable and substantial concessions, like yeah. setting up a legitimate medical fund for these guys, setting up uh, some real sort of retirement fund. Things like that, are, they fucking matter. If, if Last thing on this before we wrap it up. I've always mm-hmm. said if, if the NFL owners were smart, and they're not, but if they were smart... <laughs> They would give lifetime medical coverage to guys who served a certain amount of time in the league. Right. Let's just say five years to pick a, right. a, a round odd number. You serve, you play in the NFL for five years. You get medical coverage for you specifically and, and for your immediate family, or you, you get it at a discount for your immediate family. There are many, many people, I know this, who would trade brain damage that will yes. kill you at 55 for medical coverage for the rest of your life after a five-year vesting period. If the NFL were smart, they would do that. But here's the thing. They don't have to do that because you still have guys who are willing to play, even though this Mm. game causes serious brain damage and, and, and medical coverage uh, for you is it's like, it's, (laughs) it's like pulling teeth. I know this from talking to dudes who have just finished playing. It's, it's ridiculous how they have to fight. To you know, but you know, I got knee problems. Well, did you have those knee? Pro- do those knee problems stem from you playing football? 
well, yes, of course they do. Well, you have to prove it to get the knee fixed. Like, motherfucker, do I need to show you the highlights of what I did? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Rod, that is, I, I'm actually kicking myself that I didn't think about that before, but that's an amazing idea. That's an amazing idea. And if the NFLPA hasn't thought about it, and I, now I'm thinking about, have they thought about it? Because it's something that seems so simple to ask for. They should be doing that shit. There should be medical coverage and there should be life insurance for every single retiring player in the NFL. If you serve four years in the NFL, five years in the NFL, that's what you get. Like that's the fucking, yeah. that's the hazard pay you get just for your service. Like the goddamn you military. Be, you, you should give that to them at minimum, but nobody has yes. ever uh, said that NFL owners do things, do the right things out of the goodness of uh, of their hearts. Uh, another quality episode of Indeed, uh, your favorite podcast, Quality Hang. It's not just the name of the podcast. As you can tell, over the last hour and change, when we get together, it is a quality hang. And we hope you enjoy what we do. Make sure you follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, at Quality Hang or at Quality Hang Pod. My brother, have yourself a fantastic week. You too, sir. And right, have a great man. show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate yeah. it. I will send you uh, the uh, the footage from the last week's yes. Uh, yes. 49ers pre- and post-game show on NBC yes. Sports Bay Area. If you haven't tuned in, tune in. Get yes. with the program. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Be good. Be good at it. See you.